We're going to read from Matthew chapter 11 today. And this is a beautiful, beautiful invitation from Jesus himself to you and to me. And in verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And if you want a title for this message, it is called, What Would Jesus Do? I, I don't know if you have ever tried to get really good at some sort of sport. Uh, you know, may, maybe it has been run, running a track and field like this, or, or maybe, maybe you, you've done the jumping thing. I've, I've never really tried that. It looks pretty, pretty amazing. Maybe it's been some sort of team sport, handballed, or in Sweden, we do bandy. What a great, great sport. Uh, you know, may, maybe you've been playing tennis. I don't, I don't know what you have been, uh, been into as, uh, you know, maybe growing up or maybe even now. But for me, it was football. Football was the sport because it was the sport of the cool kids. Uh, you know, ev ev everyone that I was uh, sort of looking up to and like they, they, they were absolutely, you know, that is, that is what I need to do. So I got, I got the shoes, I got the shorts, I got the, uh, you know, you know the, the, the jersey that had a collar so I could do like this so that I would look like David Beckham. Uh, you know, I tried to grow out my hair, hair as well. And, 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 you know, my mom cut my hair. So it was a bit, bit uh, like she didn't really do it that well. But uh, mom, if you're, if you're listening to this, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but I remember uh, the first time, you know, we had a really... Uh, like a long, like a, I guess a big, big size, uh, you know, pitch, you know, 11 against 11. And we, we were going out on the, on, on the field and I, and I was playing, you know, right back, you know, a defender uh, on, on the right side. And, and, and I remember, you know, the, the sun was shining, uh, you know, you could feel the smell, smell of grass. It's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I ran my hand through the grass as I was running out on the pitch, just, just to really, just to really be in touch with the elements. I was looking the part and, and I was ready. And at one point I get the ball and I was like, I have the ball. And you know, you know how, how your mind can just race in like a split second. You, you, you can see what's going on. I, I saw my, my teammate on the other side of the, of, of the pitch. He was wide open. I was thinking, I'm going to get the ball to him. And then he's going to score and, and, and we're going to cheer and it's going to be amazing. And I, and I pictured in my, my head, you know, the, the thing that, that all the great players were doing, you know, the, the long pass, the long pass that would go across everyone, find my teammate, and then he would just do one, one extra touch and then into the goal. So I, I, uh, I pictured this and, and I just went for it. With everything I had, I just, I just launched that ball in the air. But, but the, the reality of what happened was that the ball didn't really, really lift that, that high, maybe 30 centimeters. Uh, the, the attacker that was in front of me hit him in the chest. So it was like a perfect, a perfect, perfect thing that happened for him. He ran past me and then he scored and I was devastated. And I was like, what happened there? I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly how I wanted the ball to go, but it just didn't happen like that. And, you know, I, I, I also realized, you know, that, that, that football is hard. It is really difficult to do all those things. And, and you know, I, I could look at my teammates who were, who were really good and I was like, I can't do that. So at some point, I, I actually quit football. I know it's football's loss, but, but I quit. But I, 
I hadn't really realized that in order to play like the great people on my team on the pitch, I also actually had to adopt what they were doing off the pitch, you know, how they were training and how they were living uh, their life. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a mistake that we can often, often do in life, but also maybe when it comes to our faith. Theologian J.K. Chesterton, he once said that Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. I don't know if you have, have experienced that in, in your walk with Jesus, that you, that you look at, you know, the, the example that Jesus has set. You know, we ask that question, what would Jesus do in this situation, in that situation? And, 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 and it can feel difficult to kind of live up to that, you know, bless, blessing those who curse you. Wow. Loving your enemies, you know, forgiving those who hurt you, you know, rejoicing when, 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 I, when, I'm, when I'm feeling horrible, you know, actually resisting temptation. You know, all, all of these things that Jesus lived so beautifully and, and he's calling us to follow him in. And, and I, I can look at that and think that is impossible. But I do think that, that uh, and what I've realized is that I think we are making a mistake when we think that we can, you know, turn the other cheek and love our enemies and go the extra mile and do all the things that Jesus did in the spotlight, at the, in the heat of the moment, in the game, you know, in the match where, where, uh, where, uh, where we see Jesus in front of people, maybe in front of a crowd, and we think, I should be able to live like that. But we, we might ask the question, what would Jesus do in those moments but we actually forget to ask the question, what would Jesus do in the rest of his life? Because this invitation to follow Jesus actually also entails a way of life outside those kind of, those, those heat, heat of the moment, uh, spotlight moments. Uh, and Jesus, he is actually showing us. I, I, I really love how, how, uh, how the message translation is, uh, translates Matthew chapter 11, where it says, you know, uh, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That this, this yoke that we can take, take, put on ourselves from Jesus, it isn't supposed to be heavy. It, it, it is light. And, you know, this, this yoke that Jesus in, is inviting us to is something that he was uh, proposing was different to what the, what the Pharisees uh, were teaching. They taught the yoke of the Torah, where it was all about following rules and regulations and sort of performing at a certain level. But Jesus, he wants us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, that this life following Jesus, following Jesus in all of his life, both in the spotlight, but also spotlight, but also outside of it. And I want us to spend some time today to actually ask this question, what would Jesus do? How can we live in a way following Jesus where we allow Jesus to transform us from the inside out to learn these unforced rhythms of grace? We, we often say this, that you know, following Jesus is not about behavior modification, you know, trying harder and, and, and doing better and pulling ourselves together, but it's about heart transformation. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the way that Jesus was living, uh, actually, we, we can learn a whole bunch of things about how to live this out. And I really think that it's, it's, it's a hidden treasure, maybe, a, a gift from God that Jesus actually showed us how we can live the life that he has called us 
to live. And, and, and you know, what, what, what a lot of theologians and philosophers, when they've been looking at the way that Jesus lived and tried to boil these, uh, these practices, I guess, of Jesus' life down, uh, they, have been, they have been coined the term, you know, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, that they are actually things that we can do off the pitch, I guess you can say, that will enable us to live, uh, live the life that Jesus has called us to live. And I, and I love this, this, um, this scripture uh, from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, where Paul is writing to young Timothy. And he says this, that physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know, running here on the pitch, training your body, you know, it's, it's a great thing. But how much better is it that we can actually train for godliness? You know, the message translation says, but a disciplined life in God is far better. You know, making us fit both for today and for forever. And when we look at how Jesus was doing this, how he was training, I guess, but, but, but I guess it's, it's important to note here that, 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 that the way that Jesus is calling us to follow him is not about getting to a certain level of performance, but it's actually about how can we live out this relationship with God? Because we really believe that. I really believe that. That Jesus, he is showing us how to follow him, how he followed his father and how he let his father work in him. So it's not about striving, it's about receiving. You know, you can, all, you can say it like this, the spiritual disciplines are not in opposition to grace. They are actually a means of grace that we don't really perform in the disciplines, but it's a way for God to perform His work in us. And, and you know, as we, as we take that in, as we, as we learn how to follow Jesus, that, that it's such a beautiful way of actually receiving what God has done for us. You know, Jesus knew that He couldn't just live in the spotlight. He actually had to have time where He, he was replenished, where He was filled so he, so he could have the energy, so that he could, he could have what He needed to live the calling that He was on earth to fulfill. You know, theologian Richard Foster says it like this, that by doing what we can do, spiritual disciplines, we receive from God the resources to do what we cannot do, live virtuously, to actually live this life out. So if you feel like, okay, you know, maybe Christianity feels a little bit hard. I, I know that I, I have been uh, feeling like that as well. Then I, I really believe that what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together is really going to strengthen you, encourage you and equip you and do the same for me. Because I know what this has done in my life. And we are going to look at two spiritual disciplines today that I, that I think was really fundamental for Jesus's life and two things that have also been really fundamental and life-changing actually for me, of, especially over the last 14 months or so. But you know, Jesus definitely engaged in lots of them and maybe another point in time, we have the time to talk about more of them. You know, for example, like prayer, fasting, meditation on scripture, service, uh, celebration, all these beautiful things that Jesus did in his life. But what we're going to talk about today is specifically two spiritual disciplines. And the first spiritual discipline that I want us to look at today is the spiritual discipline of solitude, of solitude. Um, we, we can read in Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. When we look at 
Jesus throughout the gospel, you, you can see that, that he had this discipline in his, in his life where even though the demands of people were that you need to be with us all the time, he actually set time aside and he, he withdrew often to the wilderness, often in the middle of the night so that no one would see him and follow him. And, and, and he actually went to be by himself and to be with his father. John Mark Comer, he, he defines solitude like this, that solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul to let it grow into health and maturity. And isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. And solitude, it's not isolation, but it's solitude. And I, I don't know how you sort of responded to, to uh, what, what happened 14 months ago or, or so, you know, when, when, when we're starting hear, hearing news about this coronavirus and people were starting to get afraid. And, and then suddenly, Everything shut down. All my rhythms were taken away from me. I, I, I was there in my apartment by myself. And no one, like everyone was afraid of seeing each other. I, I didn't go into the office. I didn't, didn't meet with people. We didn't go to church. Uh, you know, I, I was basically there by myself. And I've, I have to be honest with you that I felt so isolated. I felt really isolated. And then, then, I, then I started thinking about you know, the life of Jesus and how he, he actually decided to take time by himself. And I was wondering, how can, how can this be a good thing? You know, how, how can being by myself be a good thing? Uh, to be honest, I'm an introvert. So, you know, for the first little while, it was actually quite nice to be by myself and, you know, watch Netflix and, and do and like, like be on social media and just, just have fun by myself. But, but, but you get to a point where when you're by yourself, you sort of face yourself in the mirror and you can maybe see some things in yourself that you didn't, <laughs> you didn't know was there, things that you maybe don't like. Um, but, but when we look at how, how Jesus was doing this, he was actually purposefully removing himself from inputs from, from the world around him so that he could be in God's presence. And so over the last 14 months or so, I think I have, I have gotten a new, new revelation of what that means, that actually there is so much gold in making sure that we, we pull away to be by ourselves. And to be honest, even though I was isolated from people around me, I was with people all the time. I always had input because I was on my phone, on social media, I was watching Netflix. I, I was doing all these things. I was constantly surrounded by noise, even if I was by myself. But when I decided you know, to actually put away some things, to be in God's presence, I could feel His nourishment. To feel, I, I actually, and sometimes it took, a bit, took a little while because in the beginning, it can be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, that, that when you, when you are by yourself, you know, it can actually, uh, one, one theologian says that it's, it's like a terrible trial for the soul. It serves to crack open and burst apart the shell of our superficial securities. And I think I could feel that you kind of face yourself in a different way. And Dallas Willard, he, he says that like this, that we can only survive solitude if we cling to Jesus. And yet what we find of him in that solitude enables us to return to community as free persons. 
that even though it is difficult, it, it can feel challenging, it is a discipline, it doesn't happen by itself, we actually have to choose to engage in solitude, to remove ourselves from the, from the, from, from the world around us. Actually, in that moment of maybe of difficulty or striving, we, we can actually allow, allow God to work in us, that we can, we can actually receive from Jesus what only He can give and that we can, we can actually return to community as free persons. How amazing is that? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, it says that, or Jesus says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, I found Jesus in that place by myself, just in silence, letting God actually minister to me, to, to, to give me His grace in that moment. And I want to encourage you to think about where, where can I actually withdraw to be with my Father? Maybe you like going out in nature. Maybe you like going for a walk in a park. Maybe you, you, maybe you want to step into the anonymity of like urban life, you know, when you're in the city and you're people watching and, and, and you know, because, because you can also be by yourself there. Wherever you find moments of solitude, I would encourage you to go there and to receive from Jesus. Because spiritual disciplines are not about earning something or proving something or, or, or being a good Christian. It's actually about receiving from Him. So the first discipline is solitude. The second discipline, spiritual discipline, is fellowship. Now we can see throughout uh, the Bible that Jesus purposefully placed Himself in fellowship. That He, he actually had like he went to the synagogue, obviously, and, and, and was, in, was in a faith community like that. But he also had, had friends around him. He specifically had those 12 disciples. He even had three best friends. Can, can you imagine that, that Jesus had three best friends? And, uh, and so, so like Jesus really purposefully placed himself in community because he knew that he needed it. And, and, and you know, I... I, I've also, you know, over the last 14 months, you know, where that sort of part of life has almost been taken away from you, at least the natural rhythm of that, not going, being able to go to church. You know, I, I really, oh man, I miss being in church together, lifting up the name of Jesus together and, and, and finding nourishment and finding God working in me through that. Uh, but I've also learned, you know, to be purposeful about fellowship and uh, to be purposefully about community. And in the, uh, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 24 to 25, the writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I have really realized these last 14 months and I have to be super intentional about planting myself in fellowship to actually decide I, I want to build strong friendships. I want to be like Jesus, you know, where, where, where I have a group of people around me, but also, I also have some best friends that actually knows everything about me that I can be completely open with because uh, actually you know, the, the Bible talks about us as a community, as the body of Christ. And the body of Christ only works if we are together, that we actually have to let God minister to us through others, that in community, we, we, we can hear God speaking to us in confrontation, in, 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 uh, in encouragement, uh, that, that we can receive from Jesus there. 
And, and, and I want to encourage you that, that, that wherever you are and whatever the situation that you are in, that to actually choose intentionally fellowship. And I love this. That it, it is the pendulum. It is the unforced rhythms of grace. We go from solitude to fellowship. It's not like a half-hearted, lukewarm thing. No, it's all in. You know, we, we go by ourselves so that we can receive from Jesus. And then we step into community fully, vulnerable, open, being honest, allowing people to see you. You know, if, if you don't have people in your life that sees you, you are missing out because God can actually use other people in your life to minister to you, to serve you. And it's such a beautiful place to be that we go from solitude where God works in us to fellowship where God works in us. And in that, we, we can receive what we need so that we can live the life that God has called us to live. You know, Dallas Willard that I quoted before, he's written a great book about this. And he says, we meet and dwell with Jesus and His Father in the disciplines of the spiritual life. And I think that is what, what I really want for us to walk, walk away from this with, realizing that God has given us some gifts, that Jesus has shown us the way, that He has said, come and follow me and I will give you rest, that there are actually things that we can do, engage in, so that we can receive what Jesus has done for us. And I don't know what your next step is. Maybe it is solitude to, to really say, okay, I, I know that I'm constantly surrounded by noise and I need to find this place where I can, where, where I can receive from, from Jesus in solitude. Or maybe you realize that you've actually isolated yourself and you need to step into relationship, allowing people to see you for who you are and to actually share and actually be in church, be in connect group, be in, be in, be in a community of, of believers uh, that can encourage you and lift you and uh, and, and you know, no, no matter what your next step is, you know, Jesus is there and you're going to find Jesus there. And, but for some of you, the first step that you need to take into actually receiving what Jesus has done for you is actually to say, just pray a prayer. Like prayer is also a spiritual discipline where we receive from Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer if you haven't made this decision before that you actually want to follow Jesus, to say, Jesus, I want to receive what you have done for me. That we realize that the Christian life is not about performing and doing the right thing or, or staying away from the wrong things, but it's actually about receiving what Jesus has done for you. That Jesus, He died on the cross It'd be long before you were even born so that you could realize that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He has won the victory for you, that there is freedom in His name and there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. The only thing that you can do is to receive it. So right now, I want to read, lead us in a prayer and if that is you, that you want to make that first step of starting to follow Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do? Take, take that first step in that relationship with Him then I would love for you to pray after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you came for me, that you died for me on that cross so that I can have forgiveness for my sins. I make you my Lord, I make you my Savior, and I make you my greatest friend. Help me to receive from you everything that you have for me and help me to live the life that you have called me to live. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.